Hello, my name is Dr. Fabrice Robert Lubin, and I am a clinical psychologist. And I am Rachel Wagoner, and I'm a clinical therapist. Welcome to Mindful Chatter. This is a place where we keep it real, keep it relevant, catching up with one another, most importantly, catching up with you. Do you think I should like throw my middle name in the mix? I was just thinking about that. Rachel Fabrice Wagner? <laughs> should I should I start to add in my name my name like but the full name? The full name. Like you drop the full name? I am Rachel Nesbitt Wagner and I am a clinical therapist. I like throwing in my middle name because I think it just It's your full self. It's my full self. Like I come into the party, I'm like, hey guys. No, this isn't Fabrice Lubin. This is Fabrice Robert Lubin. Dr. Fabrice Robert, Robert Lubin. Lubin. It really sounds, you know, it's, royal. It's a shout out to my dad because that's his like first name. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I guess as I move up in my life, I kind of want to like be like, hey, dad. Hi. Hey, I see hey, you. I'm saying hi you. with this name. Yeah. So it's kind nice. of like. Yeah, kind of like a, a, a homage, a homage, a homage, homage, mm-hmm. fromage, homage. <laughs> it's kind of like a cheese. Ooh. To my dad. I would like some cheese right now. Dad cheese. That's weird. That's weird. <laughs> That's, That's so weird. <laughs> this is going nowhere. Yeah, I like right. it. Anyways. Settling in. Settling in. Rachel. Yes. How are you? I'm good today. I feel much better than I did last week. I appreciate everyone um, that listened to the podcast that reached out and, you know, asked if I was okay and uh, checked in with me. So I can now turn my head and look at Alan. I'm doing it right now. I'm looking at Alan. He's not looking at me. Now he's looking at me. Now he's looking at me. Um, I still am walking a little slow. I'm still healing. I am finding myself getting frustrated and judging that I'm not done healing yet and that I can't go work out and then I'm judging because I feel like pudgy and I feel like, you know, when you ride the bus and you get like the the belly shakes. Totally. Or just, you just sit down in that weird way and mm-hmm. you can just feel your body and you're just like, this doesn't feel right. Yeah. And I just feel it like spilling and I I love my body. I've come to a place where I really love my body, but it's because I feel like I put a lot of really hard work into it. And now that I'm in a space where I can't do my workouts, I tried to walk to work the other day. It's like a four mile walk. And I literally got there. I was like, why the F did I do that? Because my knees were like aching and swelling the full next day. So So here you are in this space, already experiencing that level of pain. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, you're throwing in some judgment on it. Totally. I'm not letting myself heal. I'm not really meeting myself where I'm at and I'm judging. Doesn't seem very helpful. Doesn't seem very helpful. But before we get into more judgments about me and myself, how are you doing? I'm doing well this week. I'm feeling, uh, I haven't gotten as much sleep actually as I mm. wanted to. So there's a part of me that used to argue and fight with myself about how much sleep, because typically I'm probably averaging six to seven hours, sometimes five and a half hours Mm. of sleep a night. That's not enough. Well, I need like eight. It it depends on the person. And there's actually- Totally depends on the person. There's an article that just came out recently that was explaining how if you get actually above eight, that there's serious health implications. What? So yeah, so <gasps> apparently getting too much sleep is not good either. And so Are you sure it's not like above like nine? nine yeah, getting above nine to 10, meaning like above okay. eight. So, so I could get like, I could get like nine. 
but yeah. not above nine. Yeah, once you get into the ten to twelve hours of sleep, that's I can't sleep that and long. And frequent well, naps, I probably could. Then you're looking at, you know, I mean, depending on the day and the weekend, of course, yeah. always. And as a parent, I love sleeping in. Sleeping in as a parent becomes the most gluttonous thing you can do. And I judge myself so much for it sometimes, mm-hmm. especially Aveline's on summer vacation. Mm-hmm. So we'll stay up really late and then we'll wake up at 10. But then what's weird is I'll hear other parents leaving very early in the morning to go do things like with their kids. Like keeping that routine. Yeah, my wi- I'm on the first floor, so my window like picks up all the sounds mm-hmm. of just families being like, we're going to go canoeing and we're going to go do this. And I'm like, we're going to sleep in. Oh, and then yeah. we're going to watch TV. And then you and judge yourself waffles. for that a little bit. <laughs> Definitely, there's a lot of... in. I'm excited to talk Sounds about like this. Sounds like a comparison yeah. even. There's a lot of... Actually, now that we're getting onto it, there's so much parent judgment that I want to speak to mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. it's really hard to be a parent and not compare yourself at all times sure. to other parents and sure. other, you'll look at other kids and you'll be like, well, that kid's doing that thing. Does my kid do this thing? And mm-hmm. if they're not doing that thing, maybe there's something wrong and I'm a failure as a human being and my child will never be anything at all important yeah. and it's my fault. Yeah, so that's kind of, you know, I want to keep going in on this. That's really what we want to talk about today is judging, judgy McJudgerson of ourselves, how we compare to others and how that creates judgment. Um, So I I hear a lot with what you're saying is that you, in, in terms of parenting, you're looking at other parents and how they're doing it and maybe projecting judgment on you to yourself about, okay, well, I'm not getting up at 7am to go canoeing and then go camping and then take them on all these fun adventures and do all these things. And instead I'm choosing to create like good quality moments, but they don't look like this person. So are they good enough? Are they good enough? Are these quality moments truly, or are they, or am I robbing somebody Mm. of these experiences? Are those parents judging me? In that space, I'm thinking that, you know, judgments are, if we're, if we're looking at this mindfully, judgments are these tiny mini stories mm-hmm. that we create about a given situation to shortcut yep. to like the quickest process, right? Yep. So if I hear a bunch of like people waking up in the morning and they're taking their kids out, then I'm just going to do the quickest form of the story, which is they're better than me, they have more money, they're mm-hmm. more beautiful, they're more fit, and they're going to have a great time and nothing possibly ever wrong happens to them. Of course, right. I think with judgments too, I find that I get a lot of my judgments societally. Um, we've talked about this in previous podcasts, you know, as a woman. And of course, everybody's read all of these articles and seen all these things about young girls and the judgments that they put on themselves because they see, you know, all of these celebrities and how skinny and thin and, you know, and now with social media and the Kardashians, like they're posting all these things about this is the beauty standard. This is what you have to look like. So I find that a lot of times my judgments come from what I think society wants from me. Do you recall maybe some of the earliest judgments that you had as a, as a kid? That's a great question. I... When I was younger, again, like I've said in previous podcasts, my parents were very much about go outside, do things, play. Like it wasn't a society where you couldn't walk to your neighbor's house without your parent. Like you, we literally just ran amok 
in the neighborhood. You know, like people didn't care. Like we were all safe. Everyone knew each other. So you didn't have to have your mom or dad like walk you over to your neighbor's house. Like I feel like people have to do these days. Um, so I didn't, I didn't really follow the beauty standards of, oh, I remember what it was. I didn't follow the beauty standards until probably about fourth grade. I was a tomboy. I always wore like my soccer t-shirt and my soccer shorts and the the pants that you could, the pants that I could rip rip off. off. Yeah. (laughs) All those fun things. I remember the first judgment I had of myself was being in fourth grade. I was not a girly girl. I was totally a tomboy. I had an older brother, so I'd like to follow him around. But I remember there were girls in my class in fourth grade that got to shave their legs. So in my mind, I was like, oh my God, I'm a hairy beast. I can't shave my legs. And like, who's, what the, my mom's a feminist. And she's like, who cares about shaving your legs? Like be you, do what you do. Like that doesn't matter to me. She just definitely doesn't follow like beauty norms. Cause Respect she's- Respect to Rachel's mom. Yeah, she's a gorgeous woman and she doesn't feel like she needs to goop up with makeup or, you know, all of those normal beauty standards. So to her, my desire for that was kind of like, she's like, but be your own person, you know, be the feminist that I'm teaching you to be. But when I was a kid, when I was like nine and all my girlfriends are like starting to shave their legs, I judged myself for that. And I judged myself. I wasn't pretty. I wasn't, you know, no boys would like me, um, you know, all of those. Yeah. And you can hear that prediction thing that is associated with mm-hmm. judgment. And no one will like me. No one will like me. And I want to draw our attention to that because I think that's the most important piece in this is how how do people distinguish what a judgment is? Right. A quick, fast story. Usually it's very, very black and white in terms mm-hmm. of what the ending of the story is. Nobody's going to like me. Everyone's going to like it. Right. So there's little to no in between. Right. There's no gray area. There's none. It's all or nothing. For me... And this is something that I realized when we went on that, um, we went to this really great group conference together. Mm -hmm. And I had this experience of realizing that I judged myself. My first original like thing I was insecure about that I judged myself was for my name. Mm. Because having to explain my name when you're in kindergarten or first grade in 1980s America was really intense. It wasn't today where you have names like Aziz Ansari, you know, where like that was just in the cultural lexicon. Now to say Fabrice Lubin, I remember kids just being like, what is that? Mm -hmm. What? And they would just murder my name. They would make fun of me almost intrinsically for the longest time. And it actually continues till today. If I introduce myself, people will say, Febreze, like the spray, and they always have to do a spray motion with their hands. They always have to, as if I, I always want to say, if my name was Gibson, would you be like Gibson, like the guitar, and then do like weird right. like guitar air solo? So weird. It's so strange. So interesting that you say that. I have a friend, um, a very dear friend. His name is Ahmed, and I remember I was in the back of they were, we were doing a road trip. It was him and his wife, and we were doing a road trip, and all of a sudden he took like a work call, and he's like. Hey, this is Will. And I was like, as soon as he finished the phone call, I was like, excuse me? What 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 did you just say? And he's like, Yeah, I just go, you know, I go by Will because it's too complicated to explain my name, Ahmed. Everyone gets it wrong. So I just think it's easier just to change my name. So people are actually changing their identities to be able to fit into societal norms to not be judged. Completely. And it's it's so limiting. For a while, I just use my dad's name, Robert. Mm. So if I go to a Starbucks and 
it's like, I don't want discussion. Right. I don't want to be interrogated about my name, where it comes from, what's the story. Yeah. I just want to be able what's to order a coffee and mm-hmm. go. Yeah, what's my ethnicity? I just want to be able to order a coffee and go. So I have to do this weird shorthand, Robert. People can spell it. There's not going to be all of this like stop and frisk regarding right. my name and what's happening here. They can just go into it. At the same time, now as I get older, I'm realizing that same thing. Why am I constantly conforming? Mm-hmm. Why am I not asking people to adapt to me? Right. Why do I have such a problem with correcting people? Mm-hmm. Why do I have such a problem with telling people who I am? Judgment's also a behavior that can be very addictive. I have people that come into session all the time and they are just so caught up in this judgment in creating how do I, okay, I'm judging myself on this. So how do I fix that part of me so that I no longer judge it instead of, wait, this is who I am, like a name or a value or your body. This is who I am. These are the choices that I make, or this is just me as a person. We kind of just constantly judge this and feel like we have to change it. And then once we change that, we have to change the next thing. So it can be this addictive quality that we get sometimes. Even in your languaging, you can hear there's no give to that. Mm-mm. There's no giving in that space. It's how do I alter? How do I modify? To make other people feel comfortable. To make other people me. feel comfortable with and me. me. Mm-hmm. And it's the, the addictive part that I also observe is how when you start judging other people or you start judging yourself, you're going to keep doing that in various situations and it kind of bounces you back and forth. So people come in really confused with who they are, what their values are, because they've absorbed so much judgment. Very often I'll tell people, if you're judging other people for things that they do, so let's say that you see someone doing, like they they cut off somebody else and you're like, well, that guy's like a fucking idiot and I fucking hate him and it's a really strong judgment. Mm -hmm. It's only a reflection ultimately of how you judge yourself and the world that you live in. Right, so it can really shrink down our world and our ability to open up to new things, new experiences, new people. Right. For me, I often find myself getting very apprehensive about connecting with people. I worked at a job at the VA in Indiana and at one point I was so terrified of small talk Mm. that I would avoid getting into elevators with people because I was so afraid of not having the right thing to say in an elevator. So you go down into the elevator, but an elevator only allows for a certain amount of conversation. You can either go like, hey, how's it going? What's the weather like? Right, Did you, your elevator you know, speech. Yeah, your <laughs> elevator speech. And I would get so anxious mm-hmm. about the idea that I don't know how to do elevator speech. I don't know what they're gonna think of me. What if I do the wrong elevator speech? And yeah. if I ask too many questions, maybe that's going too far. Right, I feel like sometimes people also don't engage with others for fear that they're going to like, that are different than them, for fear that they're going to mess up or ask the wrong question or ask the same questions that other people think and and use those stereotypes. So they, again, they judge that shrinks their worldview and doesn't open up instead of saying, I might make mistakes, but maybe I can learn and maybe I can ask questions of like, is this inappropriate? Is this appropriate? You know, and get more of a dialogue around it instead of closing it off by avoiding it we could open it up by asking more questions about it or about the person or about the place or, you know. Do you see that in dating where judgments come in for you? Even this culture of like swiping left, swiping right, 
Do you yeah. find that like there's a there's judgment that shows up either for what your profile looks like or what another person's profile? And I, I love like when we build upon our other concepts. Totally. I mean, I I haven't been on the dating sites in a minute, but I do know that when I was on it and when other people have talked to me about it, there's so much judgment that comes into it. We talked about this um, on the internet and on the internet's um, episode about how people will see one thing that they don't like. Like if someone has a picture and you know they have like a tattoo in the picture or if they have like a kid and they assume that, that that's, that's that person's kid or they have a cat and they really don't like cats. They put all these judgments on these people that they don't even know, or the person messages them and they say, "Oh, you're hot," instead of like after they've already said like all of these other really interesting facts and interesting things. People can get turned off automatically, and we also very much judge ourselves in what our profile looks like. I have people come into session and say, "Can you look through my profile and tell me if this looks good? Is this the best representation of me?" Wow. What do I say? What do I not say? We should start a whole side business around just profile curation. That's actually a good idea. Let's do it. <laughs> We're pat- patenting that. You heard it over the air. Racial <laughs> line, Fabrice. Don't you dare steal our, idea. steal our idea. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's a ton of judgment. Even when you go on dates too, you're how, just high alert on judgment. How about this? Tell me. Perhaps we have so many, like a plethora of choices in America that now judging has increased mm. because we just need to like, we're just trying to find a quick way to cut through all the options that right. exist. Where before there wasn't that many options. Now there's so many choices that you have to be more more incensed, right. more just what you, what, what's your political party? What's your affiliation? What clothes do you like? Where do you shop? What music do you listen to? Mm-hmm. You gotta be a so little filter bit, them out. so I can filter that out. Mm-hmm. And there's no real mindful or intention that we're doing that or even saying, well, you know, given that I have all of these choices, maybe I should slow myself down and not consume as much. Once again, sip a little bit <laughs> rather than try to slurp all of that down. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So that kind of brings me to this idea of how do we separate judgments that others have about us or that we think others have about us? Because a lot of times we project our own personal judgments of ourselves onto other people. How do we separate the judgments that we think others have about us from our decision-making process. That is a delicate and very, very hard process, honestly. Right. Part of it comes with time and growing up in really hard experiences. When you said that just now, I I, kind of went back in my mind to, I guess dating is a really good form of, of, of talking about, I think, some of this concept. Just imagine, you know, there's this point in time where your friends or your family are the determinant of whether or not you're going to be with somebody. Yeah. Right? So you've gone on so many dates with this person, you really like them, and then you're ready for that next step, introducing them to friends and family. And probably in your mind, if you're ready to take that step, you think this person's great. But right. maybe there's a little bit of that anxiety of like, oh gosh, what are they going to think? Right. And so you find yourself, I found myself, I'll be more honest, I find myself curating what I was sharing with those closest to me. Mm-hmm. If I oversell them, mm-hmm. then people are going to come in and they're going to be like, well, no, they're not as great as you said they were. Mm-hmm. And then if you undersell, then people are going to say, well, it doesn't sound like you really like them anyway. Right, you're not that into it. So you're just constantly kind of like, 
being stuck between these two things of trying to please other people, ignoring what you're actually feeling and what mm. your experience is. So what I'm hearing you even draw as I'm talking about this is the first part, I guess, is to slow yourself down, mm. mm-hmm. breathe, and realize other people probably don't care as much as you care as much as you think they care. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times when we do, you know, I think it's it's good to try, obviously we can't separate it. So uh, like completely, if friends and family are a huge value for you and their input is very important, most likely they are going to be happy if you're happy. Unless for some reason, say that person hurt you, they cheated on you, or you know they did, they said something really mean, and you shared that with a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. So yeah, of course, your family and friends then are going to be like, oh, I don't know about this person because they want to try to protect you in those moments. Right. But I think there's a way to create some sort of separation of saying, I really like this person. My friends and family want the best for me. So ultimately, it is my decision to make. A lot of times what before I'm making a decision, I will think and I might get advice from friends or family when I've already made up my mind about what I think is right. Correct. And so in, But I put judgment on it. Yeah, and that's kind of just leading into self-confirmation bias. Mm-hmm. You're ruling out stories about other things. One of the things I noticed is when I when I was going through my divorce, suddenly everything on TV was about divorce. Every mm. single commercial, every like honing and in I, on yeah, those. and I realized I'm that's just what I'm listening for. I'm just listening for. And now, for example, like I'm in this repair stage of like different relationships in my life. Mm-hmm. So now I'm hearing just stories of. I was watching Game of Thrones, for example, and they have this one character that's like really making amends in his life and the wrongs that he did. And I'm I'm just, oh yeah, that's me. That's my character. I'm there to make amends. I'm there to fix things. I'm there to repair. Mm -hmm. And now that's all I'm hearing. Right. That's the dialogue and the persona that you've taken on in that moment. So maybe one thing to do- Because you think it's right. Right. Maybe one thing to do is to really center yourself and say, what is it that I'm hearing? How is this a reflection of what I desire? or what I want. Mm-hmm. Because I think we are subtly changing people's messages or pulling apart from each story the thing that we most want to hear. Because I think that judgments really can get in our way of moving in any direction. Really, I mean, I think they can keep us stuck. I think they can help us to avoid. I think that the fear of making the wrong decision and judging our decision making or our choice that we've made may may really prevent us from moving forward. There's this piece that I talk about a lot with couples around how, okay, if you're there to share yourself with somebody, you only can control 50% of that. And the other person only controls 50% of that. Mm-hmm. So together, if you're both avoiding each other, that's 100% avoidance. Mm-hmm. If you share yourself as, in a vulnerable way, well, then you just up that by 50%. But the problem is a lot of times people, especially in couples and otherwise, they are afraid to open up and share because they're afraid that their partner is going to judge them, scold them, isn't going to hear them. So again, that judgment piece totally comes in and we avoid just even coming up and talking and communicating about problems that we're having because we don't want to be judged. Yet at the same time, we're already judging ourselves. Oh, yeah. And usually the judgments I have in my own head 
I like to remind myself that people hear themselves louder than they hear you. So the judgments that I have in my own head, I hear that way louder than when I actually ask someone, hey, this is something that I was doing, I'm really sorry, or this is something that I carry that makes me feel insecure. What do you think about it? Uh-huh. Most of the time, the things that I've been struggling with, no one's ever said exactly the worst thing that I imagined right. in my head. Right. Most of the time people are like, oh, well, that's, at worst, it'll be like, I don't really, I don't really respect that, or I don't agree with that. Yeah. Well, we I still are, love you. We are our own worst critic. All of this reminds me of a poem that I found the other day by one of our favorite poets, Ruby Kaor. And the poem talks a little bit more about, about judgment and confidence and all of that. So it goes like this. I hear a thousand kind words about me and it makes no difference. Yet I hear one insult and all the confidence shatters. Damn. I saw that last night, I was looking through it. I've had a lot of sessions this week about judgments. I saw that last night and I was like, can I just like, just blast this out to all of my guests? Just send it out to everybody. As if you had a podcast. That As if I had a podcast, a lot of people, where I could reach a lot of people, and I hope that that resonates with some people because I think a lot of times throughout our days, people praise us for things. They tell us we're doing a great job. They say how thankful they are for the things that we've done. You know, they give us gold stars. They tell us how wonderful and beautiful and amazing. All these things, and then they say one thing. They say, "But could you maybe just try to be a little more responsive on your emails?" And then we're like. <gasps> Oh my God. Oh my God. I've tried to be intentional now with the way I hear feedback, that good feedback or negative feedback, whatever you want to call it. Feedback. That feedback in general is just a way for people to draw your attention to something. So rather than me going into this place where I'm judging myself for this thing, like Rachel said, did you fill out the thing? And I asked you to fill out the thing. Why can't you fill out the thing? Rather than getting upset, with myself deeply to really just kind of say, okay, Rachel's trying to bring my attention to something that yeah. she wants me to act on. Cause it's so interesting. Even the way you say it mm-hmm. in my mind, isn't the way that I said it to you. Right. Right. Cause I was just like, Hey, Fabrice, just wondering, did you actually put in the feedback for this person? Well, that's cause I have a judgy McJudgerson <laughs> all up in my head. But that's what happens in moments when we receive information from other people depending on what state we're in, depending on where we are, we absorb it based upon that emotion we're experiencing. So if we're feeling scattered or all over the place, we're going to absorb it in a scattered and all over the place place and we're going to judge it in that tone. A visual for that is Instagram filters. So you're right, even as you were saying it, you just said it neutrally, but my Judgy McJudgerson filter comes mm-hmm. on and mm-hmm. just says, no, Rachel is telling me I'm a bad person and I'm a horrible parent really deep down who can't get his shit together. A horrible parent. I know. It goes It goes that far. It goes that deep. It goes that far. And I'm a terrible talking brother. talking about work. I'm a terrible brother deep down too. <laughs> and a terrible son deep down. I mean, it just, it just keeps going. Interesting. It's, so it's something that, yeah, we get one feedback, one negative feedback, and it can actually translate into so many different judgments that we have about ourselves. But I think there can also be good judgments that we can have too. There are judgments that we can have in that moment where we can like have a really good meeting and afterwards we're like, you know what? 
I fucking crushed that and I'm a boss and I'm amazing and that's great and walk out of there and be like, yeah, you know what I mean? I think positive self-talk is such an important piece. One of the things that I do that I feel is one of the healthiest things is before a presentation, before something, I have a hype playlist. And I have suggested this to people who suffer from either low self-esteem or self-confidence. Make a playlist of songs of people just being excited and willing to go into an experience. So for me, my my song is Headlines by Drake. Oh, mm -hmm. good one. He just offers just like that right amount of just, you know, just go be proud of yourself. Just go into that situation and be that person that you think you can be and try to reach that level. My hype song used to be that one Eminem song. What's it called? Lose Yourself. Lose Yourself. Totally. Yeah. Classic. Classic, right? Classic hype song. When I take, I do spin classes and I like get like super pumped, super jammed. I have this one instructor who always plays it because she knows like right when you're like exhausted, she plays that song. You're judging yourself. I can't go any further. I'm about to leave this class. It's too hard. She throws that song on and you're like, F that I can do anything. Like I'm ready to climb this mountain. Let's do it. So. I, I think kind of cool. Yeah. And I think it's just so important to put out there that there are just easy ways to kind of play around mm-hmm. with with changing that filter, changing that lens, yeah. just a tiny bit. Mm-hmm. The other piece I think too is creatively, we can judge ourselves often when we're trying to do something really new. Mm-hmm. So there was a graphic artist that told me once that sometimes he's trying to draw something and his brain can't process what his what his hand is trying to draw and vice versa sometimes his brain wants to draw something that his hand really can't do right and he, he said that by sitting still with some of these images and not just judging them and evaluating them really quickly as bad or good he said that usually he'll give it a day or two and then he'll come back to it and his hand or his brain will catch up with where he was at and, and like and then he'll be able to take that and integrate it into something else. He slows things down. He's mindful of the judgment. You know, I mean, we're called mindful chatter for a reason. So mindfulness is actually really, really crucial in this. Being mindful of the fact that we're judging ourselves. I do this often. I will say if I hear a judgment in my mind about myself or about something I'm about to do, I will literally stop. I'll be mindful, I'll say, okay, I'm judging myself. Or I'll say, I'm not being very kind to myself right now. So why don't I just acknowledge that I did that? Let's kind of put it to the side and let's just identify what is happening right here, right now without the added judgment on it. Completely. It goes back to basic exercise. Describe the situation versus evaluate or label the situation. So if you're having to give constructive feedback to somebody that you want to share, Rather than, well, you did this thing really wrong or this, just say, what I noticed was this thing and this thing didn't go together. Mm -hmm. Did you notice that too? Mm -hmm. Now, once again, healing is that dialogue form. Mm -hmm. Or, Mm -hmm. hey, Rachel, when you told me that I had to fill out that paperwork and I didn't do it on time, I I was wondering if I had done like a really bad job on it. Mm -hmm. And that gives you an opportunity to be like, no, all I really wanted to do was say, you know, just do that, please. Right. And then it goes back into that neutral zone. Drop mic, mindfulness, open communication, not judging. And a little bit of love. What's up? Always love. This has been episode 18. We're 18 years old. We're now officially adults. We can drink in Canada. 
<laughs> I was like, we can't drink. I'm glad you put the Canada. I mean, we can. We can drink. We can, but we our podcast, <laughs> Mindful Chatter, is not allowed to drink yet. Not Mindful allowed. Chatter can vote and smoke, so In there's cat that. ears, we can. Well, what? We might be dead ears? in cat ears, actually. I don't, so. I don't even know what that means. I don't really know what that means. Yeah. But anyways, More less mindful. <laughs> this episode was about Judgy McJudgerson. Um, we hope that you liked it. Alan is the producer of our podcast. You should go check out his music. Guys, I've said this a thousand times. If you haven't checked it out already, go and do it. Do it right now. Stop what you're doing. It's at soundcloud.com slash vibes. We also have a website, mindfulchatter.org. You can scroll all the way to the bottom, submit any inquiries, submit any feedback, give us some love, tell us about some topics that you want to hear about. You can also send those to mindfulchatter at gmail.com. We are up on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash mindfulchat. We're also up on Twitter at mindfulchat. And this week, we want you to share it with your aunt. Your aunt. Okay. Find it. Find an aunt. Find an aunt. If you don't have one, find another aunt. It'll be great. Don't share it with the bug ants. That's not going to work out. That's not going to work out. So. Also, judge us. Uh, Review us. Yes, please do. We love being judged positively or negatively. Or negatively, so we know how to grow, how to shift, how to, you know, make this more interesting for you because we're also catching up with you. This has been Mindful Chatter. See you next time. Bye.